Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Get Up and Do Something Uplift podcast series. In today's episode, we will be discussing body image, from the role of body image throughout history to the ways it is impacted by modern media today and everything in between. Joining us for this discussion is Dr. Michael Peterson. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Hi, Dr. Peterson. For those in our audience who are not familiar with you, can you give a little bit of background about who you are and what you've been doing related to the topic of body image? Sure, I can uh, talk a little bit. I, of course, I'm on a lot of these podcasts and we talk about a lot of things, but um, the topic for today, which is based on body image, it's something I did research on early on in my career and continue today working with many different topics, but it's been something that I've researched done a number of studies, published a number of papers on, um, and it's also something that seems to be a driving interest of the the college audience, especially those in their 20s and 30s, seems to be a top topic. And uh, I got interested in it early on in my career, worked with many different students. We did many different studies across different organizations and, and, and groups and institutions, as well as with, um, uh, you know, working with NCAA cheerleaders and, and um, dancers to, uh, you know, people in their 70s, right, looking at body image across the lifespan. So. Anyway, so it's a lot of things I've done with it and hope to share some of that today. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Uh, first, can you give a brief history of body image, how it's changed over time and what body image is exactly? Oh, good grief. Yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, the funny thing about body image, it, it really is something that's pretty dynamic. It changes. I mean, even over the course of my you know lifetime. Uh, you've seen a change just in both in men and women in terms of what the ideal body image is. And that's sort of how we define it, looking at it. Okay, what is the ideal body image? What are people looking at? And, and I'll be blunt. My opinion is there is no ideal, but there is a cultural ideal. There's people that put a certain image up as this is what we sort of um, make the paragon of, of body type, right, of what people should strive for. Um, and if you, if you go back in time, you can go back to the 1950s. I'm not going to go back throughout history because at one time being overweight was considered a yeah. sign of wealth and luxury. And, you know, you didn't have to work. You were wealthy enough to just do whatever you wanted. So body image was a reflection of status. Um, but, you know, in 1950s for women, it was the hourglass figure. I mean, you had Marilyn Monroe. In 1960s, you had Twiggy. I mean, it was really like super thin, right? Mm -hmm. it was sort of this androgynous look and... I can remember the 70s with disco, you know, John Travolta and, you know, all that kind of thing. It's in the, in the Bee Gees, but there was a, what they call the disco diva, you know, mm -hmm. it was sort of a dance type person who was, Jane Fonda was big back then when they had the dance aerobics and things like that. And so that thin, kind of, but still more athletic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that actually went, but that didn't even take on yet until, because the 1980s for women, it was the supermodel, right? You mm -hmm. had all these supermodels that were there and they were kind of the, held up. And then the 1990s went back to this waif look, like sort of not really, I would say it was an unhealthy look um, mm -hmm. that they had. But 2000s, it was, it was the buff beauty. It was, that's when they, the fitness sort of came in again and really took off. So women started to look, can I be fit? Can I be, you know, really that way? And, and today I, they call it the, the booty babe, right? <laughs> and so it's, it's more focused on certain aspects of the female figure as opposed to the whole package sort of mm -hmm. uh, for men i mean i still remember charles atlas right jack lalane when i was a kid he was he would have a, actually so there was this 
the we would call them very physically fit, okay, mm-hmm. and, and strong, but not bodybuilder type. They would be considered strongman type things. Um, but then it went into a sort of an executive look and a, a thinner look. So you had a lot of movie stars and things like that that would be considered not big, but they would be considered, um, in, in today's terms, they would be considered average, mm-hmm. right? But they had a, a mystique, a, a, an executive look. So suits were big. So what you wore, right? Yeah. Suit makes the man type of thing. And then, um, you know, you go into the 1970s and it was kind of a unisex sort of blending thing that started to go in the rock industry and other things that kind of were held up. Again, a lot of these are held up by the media and the culture. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that everyone bought into it. It just was something that would be portrayed more often in our in our visual arts types areas. And of course, 1980s with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you had the bodybuilding and that took off. And then today it's it's just a lot of muscularity. Mm-hmm. Guys are very uh, subconscious about their abs, about their shoulders, about their pecs, you know, and they focus Just their overall on, size. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of look, want to be bigger, right? And and that kind of there. So men and women have changed all the time, you know, and who knows what it'll be by, by 2030. It could be something totally different, you know. Mm-hmm. Where do you think this comes from? Like, is it is it the fashion industry that's like kind of putting out like, do you have any idea of where this comes from? It, it, you know, it's a great question. I don't think, it, I think it comes from multiple sources, but I think the media is a predominant driver of it because they are the ones that we all watch. And they also have the ability to influence us in terms of what we see as being rewarded or promoted in terms of the screen, whether it be on your computer or the, or the cinema or your television set. OK, mm-hmm. you begin to see things and you begin to, to intake those things in your mind and you start saying, oh, that's that seems to be rewarded. That seems to be a positive, they positively viewed. And so people begin to um, adopt that as, oh, that's what I need to be like. Right. And so I think the media has and, and also parents will have a, a good influence over people and peers. So you have peers that will do this because you know, you may not watch television, but all your par- peers do. Mm-hmm. And they and they, you hang out with your peers and they begin to influence what they see, right? Yeah. And do that. So you can be influenced by that. And, and also parents can have an influence too on people's own perceptions of themselves and for both good and bad. And we, yeah. maybe we talk about more of that later, but it's it, it all is there. But if you look at it, your body image, I mean, when, when you live, like what era are you in? Like your mother, right? My mother, they grew up in different time periods. Mm -hmm. And so they have a different view, right? Whereas, you you know, my children, right? Your potential children. I mean, you look at all this, you go, well, what will they view? What would their, how will they be influenced? And so it's the era that you're in, the the general, um, I call it the the cultural milieu of what's Mm -hmm. going on. And that you exist in. And that can have a heavy influence. But media plays a big part in that. Does it seem like negative body image issues have increased because of technology and social media? Well, it's yes. <laughs> in a nutshell, yes. I mean, the, the the issue is is that there's a couple of th- theories that we you know you look at look at social cognitive theory or what I call social learning theory. You learn by observation, and so the more that you see on social media of people being liked or things that they post on Instagram and people like it, or they begin to follow those people, 
it's a sign of popularity. It's a mm -hmm. sign of being accepted. It's a sign of ultimately of being loved. Oh, people love me because of that. And so people see that and they have this view of, well, I need to be like that too. I want the same accolades mm -hmm. that this person is getting. And so I would like to do that. And I think in my mind, I need to look like them in order to achieve that. And so that becomes the ideal. And, and also too, we, we compare, it's called social comparison theory, but you, you essentially are comparing yourself against your peers or other people that you wish to be like. Mm -hmm. and, and that influences you. And, and these comparisons, whether they be upward or downward comparisons, they create problems. And, and that's one of the issues that we found with the study last year that we did on social comparisons with, with social media is that more people are engaged in social media, the more they make comparisons. Yeah. And, 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 and the more comparisons you make, well, you tend to do upward and downward comparisons. And the upward comparisons means I'm not as good as someone else. And a downward comparison means, oh, I'm better off than somebody else or I'm mm -hmm. better than someone else. And so we all do this to some extent, but social media makes it almost like a, a pandemic of, yeah. of potential, of this constant comparison. And it really emphasizes that, yeah. Yeah, and, and then so you, you look at it and you say, if you're always comparing yourself, like, what the hell are you doing that for? You see, the idea is like you're, you're sort of feeling not secure in yourself because you're constantly making comparisons. Yeah. Right? How do I measure up? How am I doing? It's like getting a grade on, in a, on, on your uh, work, on your homework. Yeah. You know, where do I stand in the class? You know, am I at the top of the class or am I at the bottom of the class? Yeah. So it seems like maybe what you're saying is like that. Um... Social media has kind of allowed us to lose that intrinsic sense of work. Like it, it allows for more external um, comparisons rather than searching inward. I guess. Yeah, well, it, it's true. You're not really. I mean, it's it's somewhat self-centered in the sense that you're you're overly focused on yourself in comparison to others. Mm -hmm. um, you, you would think in one way that you're compare you're focusing more on other people, but yeah, in one way you are, but you're doing it in terms of getting feedback about yourself rather than just to say, Oh, how wonderful your trip was. Oh, you really look great when you were on the beach or, Oh, you know, we're not doing that. We're going, yeah. oh, you look good on the beach. I wonder if I look, would look as good as you look on the, on the beach. You see? Yeah. <laughs> it's very different. And so people get caught in this sort of mindset of making these comparisons. And, and it, it also, when you're, everything is sort of visual and physical, you sort of, it sort of makes us more, um, unidimensional we're only looking at ourselves in one dimension and we are very complex you know multi-dimensional beings we have lots of things that we do and we that, and so when you fo overly focus on the physical just your body that's only a shell of who you are right yeah the way you get around and do things and, and, and exist in life but it's not who you really are right there's so many things you can do and have and think and personality and hobbies and skills and talents I mean, we're not, all, we're not all the same. And so what's the point of comparison when you're not the same? The idea is, here's who you are. Can you do the best with who you are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've conducted multiple studies and published articles on body image, especially in teens, like you said. Can you speak more on your findings? Yeah, um, we did a number of studies. I mean, I created an instrument called the, the BMI, which is Body Mass Index Silhouette Matching Test. And it's been used in lots of studies, not my own, but lots of others, too. Because uh, it was a nice way of creating, we could actually take how people saw themselves in terms of their ideal body image, their desired body image, or their um, current body image, or how they saw themselves, 
and we could actually convert it into pounds. I mean, we found a way to do that, which is kind of unique and fun. Um, and so, you know, initial study that we did was kind of interesting, and it, and it, and it really put into mind the fact that um, we looked at teenagers. That's who we started with, and we started looking at the research, and we found that you know, most teenage girls, for example, see themselves a lot heavier than they are, right? Um, and we found them to be, uh, see themselves eight pounds heavier than they actually are, right? So, so we sound, you know, they, they, they saw themselves at a BMI of 23.6 when they really about 22.3, right? So when the weight difference is eight pounds, 133 to 141, their ideal was 130. Mm-hmm. So if you look at their actual versus their ideal, they were almost right on. I mean, there was no significant difference. Yeah. There's a big difference between what they see as their ideal and what they see as their, their, their actual, right? Or their perceived body image when their actual BMI is very close to the ideal. Yeah. So, so this whole distortion of, of that. And for men, and men were, the boys were very interesting. And this actually holds true even as it goes throughout life. They saw themselves a lot heavier than they actually were by 13 pounds. Mm-hmm. Right, so they saw themselves. As a, they saw themselves as, as about one eighty five, right, and and their actual weight was one seventy two, right? Yeah, right, and but their ideal was one eighty two, so they were just a little bit bigger than what their ideal was, right, and so you had to kind of shake your head, and go, are they really a little bit delusional? But they are. Mm-hmm. In fact, in a study that we did looking across the. Um, the lifespan, we were looking at people in 55 and older versus those up to about their 30s. And what we found is that men across the, they always overestimate their weight. I mean, they just don't have an accurate portrayal of their weight. Uh, and so they always see themselves as bigger than they actually are um, in most cases. All right, some people uh, could be overweight and they may underestimate. But from what our started, we, and our sample size were pretty big. Um, where women always tended to um, overestimate who they were in terms of their ideal, they, they were even off a little bit on what they saw mm-hmm. as to what their, their um, actual, um, um, you know, BMI was. And they're also their, their weight. I'm just kind of looking it up because I want to make sure I get it right here. But they, they actually, the groups tended to report their ideal weight as less than their actual measured weight. So women tended to always look at their weight as, I, their ideal as less than what they were. Mm-hmm. Up until they got to 65. And then, then they said... No, my weight is ideal now, right? It was kind oh, of interesting. Oh, I like that. Okay. okay. So, they, so once they got to, you know, where men tended to see themselves as bigger than they were all through pretty much through their lifespan. Huh. But, but women got to this point. Now, it's interesting. We didn't measure like what I call the menopausal years, mm-hmm. right? We didn't do that. We looked at before and after. And, um, you know, women tended to always see themselves as heavier than they actually were, right? Mm. Um, and then they always wanted to be thinner than they were. Yeah. Right? Whereas when it, and that was true up to about 65. And then once it got over 65, as I said before, um, they did that. And they would say, oh, well, my, my weight is fine. I'm, I'm fine with who I am. It kind of comes to a realization of all this stuff I've been worrying about my whole life doesn't really matter. Now I've yeah. decided that it just doesn't, I don't care. Right. And so it doesn't mean they don't want to be healthy. They just, no, it's a very big shift in priority. Priority, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, they've gotten, you can, one way you could say they grew up. Right. Mm-hmm. And they just basically said all that stuff I focused on really doesn't mean anything as, as once I thought. But you tell that to a, someone in their 20s, they're, they're not going to believe you. No. Yeah. <laughs> they still have 40 years to learn that. <laughs> well, it's just like your weight. 
is a sign of uh, it's a sign of body image is a sign of beauty and a beauty is a sign of being loved right mm -hmm. or lovable i should say and and that is really the driving force behind a lot of this is mm -hmm. that the notion and this is the psychological side of things if you don't feel that you're loved and you feel that you have to be a certain way in order to be lovable and and if weight is the means by which you do that then then body image um, issues will arise you know because you'll see that and you know fathers can be a problem problematic with their daughters by saying things like well you need to lose some weight or you need to you're a little overweight and you need or and not taking into account that your your daughter is multidimensional. She's all sorts of things. She's got all sorts of talents and skills, right? Why are you just focusing on that? Mm -hmm. you see, and mothers do the same thing. They can actually uh, exacerbate the problem by saying, "Well, you need to watch what you eat. You need to do this." Well, watch what you eat. I mean, yeah, eat healthy, but it can become somewhat obsessive. And and kids learn this at a very young age. It doesn't. It, it's not something that you just learn at you know when you're in your teenage years. I mean. Mm -hmm the research has been pretty clear on this, that body image starts forming as young as four or five years of age. Yeah. Uh, we did another study and we found that, you know, the media was influencing kids at five, six and seven years of age. And it was, and they were starting to talk about dieting at a really young age. Yeah. Like why? Right. I'm, I'm seeing that in my own life. My little nephew is only, he just turned nine and he's already trying to lift weights. He's already like very focused on his body image. Same with his twin. Um, yeah, she'll, she'll talk about diet culture. It's terrifying, actually. Well, and that's one of the other things that exacerbates the problem. The fitness industry has not been the greatest help in, in certain respects because the industry historically has, has played on people's body dissatisfaction as a means of recruiting people to get to their fitness center, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't go to a fitness center to get fit, but historically, when you when you look at their ads, when you look at their what they're focusing on or even magazines like shape or, you know, men's health or something. There's, they focus a lot on the body image, the, you know, who, what you look at, look like, you know, and to other people. Yeah. Compared yeah. to other people. And the whole idea behind this, we found that magazines are probably a little bit more um, problematic because you can linger over pictures longer. Mm -hmm. right? And so the idea is you can sort of really focus on what it is that people are, are doing or, or what they look like. And, uh, and that can have a, a big impact or impression on people as to what they think they need to be like. Yeah. Um, so that kind of segues into this a little bit. So some have made the connection that negative body image can lead to disordered eating and a, de mm -hmm. a decrease in self-esteem, but the effect is probably farther away from that. Can you talk a bit about the ways the negative body image can impact one's life, both in teen years and into adulthood? I'm going to have you repeat that because you're a little garbled. I couldn't hear oh, you. Oh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, can you just talk a little bit about the ways that negative body image can impact someone's life, um, like teen years into adulthood? I know we even touched about early years um, and how that can even, um, how that goes hand in hand with disordered eating at times. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, you know, I haven't focused a lot of my research on disordered eating, but disordered eating is a, um, is, is definitely been linked to body image dissatisfaction. And, and the, the idea behind it is that you, you, you look at food as the means by which you build or lose weight, right? And so people will, will, will do that and focus on that. And in a life often that you feel out of control, oftentimes food is a means by which people sort of get a sense of control. That's, that's part of it when you feel your life is, you know, out of whack and 
you know, maybe you feel that you're not being loved or that people don't like you and you can't control that and you're not doing as well as you thought you could, but at least you can focus on your weight as something you can control. And how do I do that? Well, I can do that through eating. And so when you're, when you look at body dissatisfaction, I mean, you know, you are who you are. This is the funny thing is that I, I would tell students a lot of times, I says, we want to know what you're going to look like. Well, look at your parents and your relatives. That's pretty much what you're going to look like. So you're going to look like aunt, whatever, you know, Susan or something, you know, you know, you sort of have that body type. Why? Because genetically that's where you come from. All right. So you're not, it's like I tell people, I said, I will never be Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's just not in my genes. Okay. <laughs> it's not, but I'm happy with who I am. So deal with it. Right. Yeah. But the, the issue is, is that there's a, um, there is that focus and it causes, it causes people to focus on those things. And unfortunately there's things on the internet now in the, in that are related to, you know, eating disorder community groups that actually promote disordered eating. And that's not good. And that's actually something that can be quite harmful. I think there's a lot we don't understand about um, that. I know that there are people that, um, you know, that, that, dealing with eating disorders. And as I said, I'm not the expert in that area. Mm -hmm. um, but with the body image side, it, it can have far reaching um, issues. And and, and if you have it as a as a young person, it carries on perhaps through your teenage and ad, early adulthood. When then when you have children, if you still have issues with that, do you pass that on to your children? In other words, your obsession with it becomes a problem. I remember one issue where we had actually um, at one university they actually fired a coach of volleyball simply because she was so obsessed with the the female volleyball players' um, body images, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was like. Okay, why would you do that, right? And so that you know, it, it becomes uh, a problematic. I mean, and there's and, th and that is an issue too. Is that if you, in, in, within society, if that's the focus, um, you, it lends itself to developing more eating disorders and, and depression and anxiety and, and and social concerns such as I don't feel confident enough because I don't feel confident in who I am, and so does that prevent you from actually getting out and meeting people or just being yourself or yeah, just your general quality of life. Yeah, it's just, it, it has many ramifications and it can vary from person to person. Um, but again, it's it's something that I think people just need to step back at and get a, a proper perspective on. Yeah. Your body is not who you are. It is only one of many things that who you are, right? So. Do you have any, going off of that, do you have any suggestions of how somebody can shift their thought patterns from idolizing a person's body to something what they have, their own great body. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things is, you know, we always talk about diversity, right? You know, we always say how good diversity is. Well, how come it doesn't apply to body image, right? So, I mean, we don't look at it that way. I, I Having two daughters, I mean, nobody bought off the rack. That was sort of the interesting thing when we go clothes shopping, right? Because no one actually fit anything, right? So it was kind of, it was a wake up call for me being the father, right? Okay, because I would just go in and grab stuff, right? But. Mm -hmm. The point is, is that there's there's a lot of things is that we we tend to when we do these comparisons and we do these things. We tend to do a lot of negative self-talk, which is I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Well, stop it. OK, just stop it. You are right. Um, and, you know, one of the things is love. I, 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 you know, I've told this many times to different people. Love is kind of a, a common thing that people need. It's probably the most important thing that people need. And it is at the root of many of these issues is that people feel they have to do something in order to be loved. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the driving force for, for a lot of these things. 
And when you come to the real realization that you are loved and you are lovable and that and if and you are unconditionally loved, then these things can kind of go away. Right. And it's because you don't feel like you have to prove yourself so much. Right. To other people and to other things. And yeah. The, the negative talk is, I call it sort of like this. It's like the, someone on your shoulder telling you, you don't measure up. You're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that. And it's it's something that can be problematic. And the other thing is, that's the point one. Point two is get perspective. I mean, you, you are not just your body, okay? It, you are more than that. Honestly, if you're in a long-term relationship, if you're just focused on body as the reason you like somebody, okay, that's not going to last. Not sustainable. Right? It's just not sustainable. All your cells are going to, like, what do they say, seven years? All your cells are gone and you've got new cells. You've got a new person there in seven yeah. years. Okay. So anyways, you change over time. And it's the other qualities that make a person, right? It's their personality, their their character, uh, their skill sets, what they can do, their focus on life, their you know, all sorts of things that are who they are. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's like this is what are your talents and skills? We're all different. So what are yours? And, and what are those? And that's who you are. And that's, and, and you can't be all things, right? You can only be who you are and do the best you can with who you are. Um, and it's somewhat of a little bit of, a, of accepting yourself in that capacity. So a little humility. Yeah. Um, Cause one of the things people say, well, it's, 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 it's not humility. Yeah, it is humility because you actually understand who you are and you understand that you have problems and you have issues and you're not as good in everything. And you can only, and you're good at some things and you're better at things than other people in some areas and not in others. Mm -hmm. And so once you come into that realization that you are not all things to all people, you're not, you can't be the best at everything. Okay. Yeah. And no matter what happens, somebody's better than you. I don't care. Right. Somebody will come along and be better than you. And somebody will come along and be better than that person. But yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so just you know, live with it, right? And come to think: what can you do, and how can you be of service to others? How can you be enjoy your life in a in a in a positive way to make your life meaningful, um, and meaningful in, in many different ways? And 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 focusing on your body and your body image kind of takes you away from that. Yeah, it actually takes you off path, and you're now focusing on things that. There, it's a dead end. You're not going to go anywhere with it. Okay, it's 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 just who you are. You know, yeah. If you got health problems or you got you, you don't want to lose some weight, fine. You know, yeah, no big deal. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about, right? What I'm talking about is this over obsession with yourself and your over obsession with looking at the mirror or looking at your weighing yourself and and these types of things. That's that's just that's not getting you to be the person you really were meant to be, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I encourage people to do that. And a lot of us is tied in with emotions. This is the third point is you, you got to know, understand your emotions, a little bit emotional intelligence here, because your, um, your emotions are, are really something that need to, um, need to focus, can get you off track and you can become overly, um, you know, obsessed with that and not do anything. You know, the emotion based coping isn't healthy, right? Yeah. I, those are great suggestions. I think a really good point. Um, unfortunately, I think that's all we have time for today, but thank you so much for joining us. This was a really nice chat. Well, thank you. It was really nice to be back again. Yeah, it's nice to have you back. Nice to put more of these episodes out. <laughs> okay, we'll see you soon. Thank you. 
So thank you again to Dr. Peterson for joining us today and to all of you for listening to this episode on how body image can affect our health and everyday lives. The more we shed light on and learn about this topic, the stronger we will all be as individuals and as a society to combat the detrimental effects of negative body image. Be sure to check out other episodes of the Uplift series and tune in next time. From all of us here at Get Up and Do Something, thanks for being here.